would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. Nine Cents, a satanic perspective of our modern world. I'm your host, Adam Campbell. Today is the 24th of April, and as a lot of people in this world note, it is Easter. Now, what does that mean exactly? I really couldn't tell you. There is some sort of connection with a zombie, an Easter bunny, and a rabbit being the Easter bunny. And then there's, like, also a chick, because there's eggs involved. But then you got to color the eggs, I'm assuming with the zombies' blood, or the zombies going after the chicks, and they're so scared, they drop the eggs, and the rabbit grabs them, and I don't know, there's some connection there. Anyway, that's what the crazy part of the world is celebrating, and the rest of us are celebrating yet another Sunday, on yet another week, on yet another month of our glorious lives that we lead on a day-to-day basis. Uh, I'm exhausted today, guys. I, uh, It was actually a really nice day today. We went to the uh, Hot Springs, uh, Three Forks Trail in uh, the Uintas, Diamond Fork uh, area. And uh, this was the first official hike that we, as a family, did, um, which means I was toting my daughter around on my back for half the time or more. And uh, she's growing up, and she's uh, gaining a little bit of weight. So, you know, as all infants do. They <laughs> they put on weight and become young children. Uh, that's what she did, and so it just, uh, I wasn't really anticipating um, it being as difficult as it was, and I guess, you know, the first hike of any season is going to be tiring, so, you know, I just sort of had to keep that in mind, and I enjoyed myself. It was a lot of fun. Uh, it, it wasn't as sunny or, or pristine as, you know, the late spring and early summer hikes tend to be. Uh, it was pretty overcast, but that allowed us to have this really nice breeze coming through. So, uh, bottom line is, it was a really good day. I'm, I'm really tired from the hike, uh, but I'm still going to uh, give you 100% here. <laughs> 100% of, I guess, my opinion, <laughs> my attitude, uh, if you can take it. Now, there's some interesting things coming down the pike here for $0.09. Cents. Um, so, I ask that you, uh, you know, hang around for a little while and, and see what happens. Uh, I've got a really great show for you today, but this is going to sort of lead into uh, what I'm going to do with the show from now on. So what I have done, what I started this show doing, I was planning on about an hour. And then I cut that back saying, um, well, you know, I'm not entirely sure if I have an audience that would like to listen for 30 minutes or 45 minutes. And so that was sort of the, the target area that I was striving for. Well, now I'm going to push it back to an hour. I'm going to do my best to keep it around an hour. Um, honestly, it's probably going to be a little short every time, but um, that's the new goal uh, because of uh, some things that I, I really sort of want to incorporate nine cents into. And so that format time is around an hour. So I hope you can hang with me uh, during that time. I'm working on um, opening up live input so that you know, outside of our chat room, of course, during the live show, you can communicate with me. 
um, and also, you know, through email and stuff. But I also want to be capable of accepting live input um, through your voices, so you can call into the show and talk to me if you're so inclined. Um, and then to do also live interviews. So that, you know, I'm looking into it. And, you know, I sort of got to preface this whole thing. This is my first podcast. This is sort of my experimental, you know, jump into the podcasting lake, so to speak. And uh, I like to think that I'm not drowning here. So it's, it's just really uh, me learning the techniques and uh, the technology behind it. And speaking of the technology behind it, today I've got a great interview for you with the Creature Feature. And if you're tuning in just for the interview and you don't want to hear me ramble on for a half an hour, then you might want to just pause and come back at like 9.30. But if you do, I would love to have you hang around and, and listen to my bantering. It's fun for everyone, the whole family, as long as they're all adults. No kids. The technology. Okay. So... I scheduled this interview with uh, Celeste of Sermo 3, who you're going to be hearing later, and I get this software because I plan on using Skype in order to conduct the interview and record the interview. Um, so I get <laughs> first in Google search, Skype recording, uh, this program in order to record your conversations, and then uh, I could you know, add it into the MP3 podcast and sort of edit it and everything if I had to. And I assumed, because I'm a fucking jackass sometimes, that it would work. And that is not the case at all. It did not work at all. Um, and I looked like a complete douchebag. Uh, and luckily, luckily, Slesk agreed to do sort of a uh, redo on the interview. And I actually got MX, Skype Recorder Program. These guys are really imaginative with their names. Uh, I, mean, I guess it makes sense if you're just trying to, you know, sell something for 30 bucks, but and, and maybe there's a free way to do it. I just don't know how to do it. So I, I dropped the dime and um, got MX Skype Recorder, which actually does work beautifully. So I will have uh, that interview for you now. However, um, he ended up sounding perfect, and I sounded like I was across the sea. And in relation to things, I am across the sea to him, but uh, I was hoping that we would have maybe even tone. So you guys are going to be hearing him perfectly. I'm going to be sort of quiet in the background, which would probably be a nice change of pace for this show, actually. Um, but anyway, it was just you know one of those things where I dropped my money on it. I, I thought it would work. I didn't test it. I didn't check it out. And you know what? If I tinkered around for like another hour and a half or something, I could probably get it to work, but fuck that. You know, I, I just want something to fucking work the first time. I install it. I mean, why do you have to fight to find a support line? It just, it drives me crazy. Things should just fucking work. I know that's unrealistic, but still, fuck. Alright, so as I mentioned, I have a great show for you. In The Devil's Advocate today, I'm going to be talking about the nine satanic sins. We've pretty much covered all of the basic tenets of Satanism, except for this, up until now. So, I'm going to dive in with it. I'm going to give you a brief rundown. Um... In Infernal Informant, I've got two articles that are, are relatively interesting. At least to me, they're interesting. Um, one is For Children, Where's the Water? And the other is House to Pay Up to $250 an Hour to Defend the Defense of Marriage Act. Um, and then, again, in Creature Feature, I'm going to have the interview with Celeste from Ceremony 3. And in Bizarre the Bizarre, I'm just going to throw in a little blurb about the sex fart. <laughs> That's right. 
so if you want to sit around for like, I guess you could call it a nightcap of the show, and listen to me talk about that, I, I certainly welcome it. <laughs> it should be at the very least embarrassing for me. Um, okay, so let's go ahead and get into it, The Devil's Advocate. Hi, welcome to the Devil's Advocate. Let me adjust my volume here. The Nine Satanic Sins uh, by Anton Zander LeVay, um, copyright 1987. The first time I was introduced to these was in um, the biography of Anton LeVay, uh, The Secret Life of a Satanist by Blanche Barton. Um, and then when I found the website, um, as soon as I got off my ass and started looking for satanic content online, I saw that it was also published there. So that's where I'm pulling reference for this. Um, it doesn't matter where you get it. It's still the same information. But I certainly think it's worth looking into. And if you haven't read it in a long time, consider this uh, a sort of refresher course. Um, and not so much of a course, just, uh, you know, reminding you. Putting it out there. So, the nine satanic statements. Uh, stupidity, pretentiousness, solipsism, self-deceit, self herd conformity, lack of perspective, forgetfulness of past orthodoxies, uh, counterproductive pride, and lack of aesthetics. Alright, so I'm going to touch on each of these a little bit. So, number one, top of the list, king of all sins, stupidity. Now, there, it is important to note that there is a difference between stupidity and um, ignorance. So, uh, this is concerning stupidity, specifically. Um, it's really the cardinal sin of Satanism, as he says. The top of the list for satanic sins. Ignorance is one thing. Our society thrives increasingly on stupidity. It depends on people going along on with whatever they're told. Uh, the media promotes a cultivated stupidity as a posture that is not only acceptable, but laudable. Satanists must learn to see through the tricks and cannot afford to be stupid. Um, and that's, you know, I guess you could just say that that stands on uh, taking information at face value for who gives it. Or not at face value, but as law, as truth, as reality. Um, and, you know, with our media and our culture, that's absolutely not the case. You always have to sort of look behind things, uh, look for that third perspective, so to speak. Um, pretentiousness. Empty posturing can be most irritating and isn't applying the cardinal rules of lesser magic. Unequal footing with stupidity for what keeps the money in circulation these days. Everyone's made to feel like a big shot, whether they can come up with the goods or not. You know, and it, as a Satanist, I have run across... Oh, you know what? I didn't do my uh, Devil's Advocate drop here. Let me do that now. Uh, I am a Satanist. Uh, I am a member of the Church of Satan, but I don't speak for the 
entirety of the Church of Satan. Um, they don't really need anyone to speak for them. They speak for themselves quite well. Um, this is purely just informational and entertainment. Okay, so um, pretentiousness. You know, in in Satan, an organization uh, like Satanism draws in a lot of pretenders, a lot of people who just want to feel important or powerful. Uh, there's no real, you know, to quote the old uh, commercial saying from the 80s, where's the beef? That's really what these people are like. They, they come out here with putting on airs, I, I'm a, a, a master magician, and, 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 and really you can point these people out because they're not only going to be affiliated supposedly with the, the church of Satan or as a Satanist, but also with multiple other magical orders um, or, or religions or belief systems, and they're always going to have a title associated with it. You know, you can tell these people are all fucking talking, and they're trying to generate respect uh, through their own ego and self, or apparently self-granted um, titles. It's really fucking aggravating. And and like I was saying, being a member of the Church of Satan, uh, being a Satanist, you see these people um, in the light that they are more than I think the general public does. You know, they just sort of take them at their word of what they are, but you know, it's just pretentiousness, man. It, it, it's aggravating when you see it. When people demand to be called a certain thing, I am High Poobah. You must refer to me as High Poobah. You know, I just give me a fucking break. Solipsism. Uh, solipsism can be very dangerous for Satanism. I'm sorry, for Satanists. Uh, projecting your reactions, responses, and sensibilities onto someone who is probably far less attuned than you are. Uh, it is the mistake of expecting people to give you the same consideration, courtesy, and respect that you naturally give them, they won't. Uh, instead, Satanists must strive to apply the dictum of do unto others as they do unto you. This is important because, uh, you know, a lot of people adhere to what they like to, they claim they adhere to the golden rule. Um, as a Satanist, that is really a problem. Because you're giving the benefit of doubt in an environment, in a society, or in a culture that will not grant that benefit of a doubt. So really, do unto others as they do unto you, wait how they react to you, and then you can react to them. And it's easy to sort of fall into place saying, well, I expect them to be respectful to me, and so you provide that respect, and then they fucking knock you down, and they insult you to your face. You know, it's best just to stand back, and B, let them address you. Um, and then you know where you can truly take that, that, um, that meeting or that, that, the moment with the individual. Self-deceit. Um, it's in the Knights of Tank Statements, but deserves to be repeated here. Another cardinal sin, as uh, Anton LaVey writes. Uh, we must not pay homage to any of the sacred cows presented to us, including the roles we are expected to play ourselves. The only time self-deceit should be entered into is when it's fun and with awareness. But then, it's not self-deceit. Um, don't, don't ever lie to yourself. And, and this is actually really easy to do when you cross into, uh, say, addiction and stuff. Because really, that's your brain lying to yourself about what's okay and what's not okay. Or, or abusing 
um, anything, we should say. Uh, everyone, at some point, must understand that there, there, there are limitations, not just in general, but for you. Um, and don't deceive yourself thinking that yours are greater than they really are. Uh, herd conformity. That's obvious from the satanic stance. It's alright to conform to a person's wishes if it ultimately benefits you. But only fools follow along with the herd, letting an impersonal entity dictate you uh, to you. The key is to choose a master wisely instead of being enslaved by the whims of the many. Yeah, yeah, I don't have to fucking say anything about it. Uh, lack of perspective. Again, this one can lead to a lot of pain for a Satanist. You must never lose sight of who and what you are, and what a threat you can be by your very existence. We're making history right now, every day. Always keep the wider historical and social picture in mind. That is an important key to both lesser and greater magic. See the patterns and fit things together as you want the pieces to fall into place. Do not be swayed by herd constraints. Know that you are working on another level entirely from the rest of the world. Um, and this also plays into that whole third perspective article I talked about on the Anton Uh Forgetfulness of past orthodoxies. Be aware that this is one of the keys to brainwashing people into accepting something new and different. And this is actually incredibly important for uh, anyone. So if you have children, make sure you tell them. You know, and, and this falls in line with some of the other sins um, uh, directly. Don't take things at face value. You have to look behind what someone is saying to you. Because it's not ever carte blanche as is. There's always something else to it. Counterproductive pride. The first word is important. Counterproductive. Pride is great up to a point, up to the point that you begin to throw out the baby with the bathwater. The rule of Satanism, Satanism is, if it works for you, great. When it stops working for you, when you painted yourself into a corner, and the only way out is to say, I'm sorry, I made a mistake, I wish I could compromise on that, and do it. Um, and this is, you know, I want to paraphrase something that uh, I read from Anton LaVey as well, excuse me, where he said, uh, when at first you don't succeed, try, try again. If you still don't succeed, uh, try a different approach. And if you still don't succeed, try someone or something new. This is incredibly important. Don't think because you are a Satanist, you are an alien elite, or you are good at X, that you should somehow be the best in all cases. If there's one thing that you're going to learn as an adult in this life, there's always someone better than you. You know, it, it, it may be uh, a skill or anything. You know, there, there's always someone that's going to have a leg up. And they might not be better than you, but your perception of them Maybe that they're better than you. So, you know, just don't take it to a fault. Um, always strive to be, you know, improve your, your capabilities, but don't throw out the baby with the bathwater, as he says. Um, and the last one, nine, lack of aesthetics. This is the physical application of the balance factor. Aesthetics is important in lesser magic and should be cultivated. It's obvious that no one can collect any money off of classical standards of beauty and form most of the time, so they are discouraged in a consumer society. But an eye for beauty, for balance, is an essential satanic tool and must be applied for greatest magical effectiveness. It's not what's supposed to be pleasing, it's what is. Aesthetics is a very personal thing, reflective of one's own nature, but there are universally pleasing and harmonious configurations that should not be denied. I don't think I have to say anything about that. 
if you want to look at this again or if you want to learn anything else uh, about this subject or Satanism in general, visit the Church of Satan at churchofsatan.com. Um, or you know it better yet, go out and buy um, The Secret Life of a Satanist by Blind Spartan. It's really a fantastic book and this is it. Um, let's go ahead and move into, uh, yeah, the Infernal Informer, shall we? Warriors of darkness, earthquakes, volcanoes, the dead rising from the grave, human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria, all in the Infernal Informant. Alright, the Infernal Informant. For school children, where's the water? This is from CNN Health by William Hudson, uh, April 18th, 2011. Uh, and it starts um, uh, with a little bit of story here. I'm going to get into the meat of it. 15% of ch kids in Mason's age group, and Mason is a 12-year-old uh, boy, consume adequate amounts of water, according to the CDC's National Health and Nutrition Examination Survey. Um, since children, quote, since children spend a large percent of their waking hours at school, they should be consuming at least one half their total water intake at school, says Dr. Melina Jampolis, CNN's health diet and fitness expert. Quote, the standard recommendations are for children to get six to eight glasses of water per day. Teenage boys, even more. Eleven glasses per day, she says. Mild dehydration can affect learning as well as mental and physical performance. So, last year, Michelle Obama continued on with her Let's Move campaign to target childhood obesity. Uh, former military leaders warned that obesity could be a threat to national security, and the ABC series Jamie Oliver's Food Revolution attempted to show Americans what their children are eating in school. On the heels of those headlines, Congress passed the Healthy Hunger Free Kids Act of 2010 in December, to improve school nutrition in the National School Lunch Program. The legislation requires that clean water be easily available in school. Advocates welcome the new legislation, but say it's not clear if the new rules will go far enough to address the lack of hydration. And this article does say that there is a general lack of hydration. Um, Let's see, uh, they go to quote that uh, Vista Middle School outside Los Angeles has approximately 1,700 students and four water fountains. Four. For 1,700 students. If you only have a half an hour for lunch, and you have people standing in line to pay for lunch or to pick up their lunch, and people are running back and forth fighting for the, the water um, the water fountain, it's not going to happen. They're just going to, and, and this is what they're doing, is completely ignoring the water altogether. We <clears throat> put such a huge push on children drinking milk, and, uh, of course, uh, companies that sell the milk push that it should be flavored milk, that, uh, you know, it's actually starting to be not healthy at all for the kids. They're consuming so much sugar in the milk, um, and so the alternative, because the government subsidizes milk in schools and uh, juice in schools, the alternative is juice. But then juice also has an exorbitant amount of sugar in it. You know, it's rare you're ever going to find a juice that's just constant, you know, squeezed fruit juice, you know, from, from the 
the actual fruit itself without additives, and certainly without a ton of fucking sugar. And I don't necessarily think that there's anything wrong with every once in a while you have some, uh, you know, chocolate milk or strawberry milk, or every once in a while you have some orange juice or apple juice. I think it's very important. But as human beings, it's life-threatening not to drink water. I mean, you will dehydrate and fucking die if you don't consume water. Not only that, but in school, it actually, as being said, that it uh, improves learning when you're hydrated. Your mind functions as it should, rather than being on a sugar high or something. So the argument comes, um, uh, you know, where are we now? Um, the biggest problem that they find is drinking cups. Uh, advocates say, as many ed and as many uh, educators admit, that too many of America's largest school districts elect not to provide cups. So literally, they just have um, the uh, the fountain and the X amount of children who ex are expected to leave their seat that they're eating at to go over to a fountain to take a drink, then return to their seat to continue eating. That's not going to fucking happen. Um, Cups would be the alternative, one of the many alternatives, um, and they're saying it's just a little bit too challenging uh, for cups because it slows down the line of, of the drinking fountain trying to fill up a whole cup. Um, and then who's going to pay for the cups? The government doesn't subsidize water, and it certainly doesn't subsidize cups. Um, water fountains aren't providing adequate hydration, says Matt Sharp, senior advocate of the California Food Policy Advocates. When... When have you ever gone to a restaurant and been encouraged to go to a water fountain for a sip between bites at your meal? Um, it's called a water intervention, a five-week research program that they're conducting that includes a water filter and cups for five schools in the Los Angeles School District, provided free from the UCLA RAND project. The test includes these steps. Install a water filter in the school, fill five-gallon jugs, chill jugs overnight, Place them in the eating area during mealtime, serve with cups. The results will not be published until next year, but anecdotally, the program is a success, researchers say. Excuse me. Quote, we've seen students really gravitate towards the water out here and fill up their cups right before and after lunch to hydrate, says Bert Cowgill, the project manager. The water is very popular, and we have a lot of participation. Now that the research has ended, it's up to the school district to continue funding it, if it chooses. The Los Angeles Unified School District says it can't afford the estimated $1.8 to $2.3 annually it says it would cost to provide the cups and water for the entire district. Free drinking water and cups could also decrease revenue from bottled water sales. Well, we wouldn't want to do that now, would we? <laughs> uh, if students drink water free served at lunch instead of purchasing competitive beverages, uh, that funds extracurricular activities. Schools may have to seek alternative fundraising strategies, says a report published in the Journal Preventing Chronic Disease. The report was based on the CDC-funded research uh, interviews with school personnel and families, primarily with the Los Angeles school system. So, yeah, I mean, why would anyone want to worry about having healthy, hydrated children when it could come into a problem with funding extracurricular activities. 
Now, no one's saying that this is an easy situation, and it certainly isn't. Um, but I would have to say that the health of children is more important than extracurricular activities. Now, if that means that you have to do some private fundraising for your football team, well, fucking A right, do it. Because how can they be expected to play football if they're not hydrated in the fucking first place? Or any other activity. Uh, you know, we're so backwards as a fucking society. We, we force these fucking programs down our kids' throats, and then we don't provide them the essential tools in order to cope with them. I mean, water. Whoever fucking thought that, that would be a fucking problem? Now, I mean, that sounds a little bit naive, because there are parts of the world that it's, it's very much a problem in, in trying to get, get, get to water or, or consume water. Um, but, you know, we are the number one superpower in the world right now. This shouldn't be a fucking issue. I mean, really. How about we, instead of drone bombing some of um, uh, the Middle East, how about instead we take that money and put it in our schools for water? And you can say that this is a parental situation where the kids should really be given... I don't know, maybe uh, water bottles by their parents and sent to school, but there's not a lot of schools who will allow outside anything inside. Um, you know, if you're going to leave the grounds, if you're allowed to leave the grounds for lunch, you can't come back into class and, and, and bring it in. And that's also to say that you're expecting the parents to actually be responsible. We're Americans. Who expects parents to be accountable for their children? We don't even like doing homework with them. So how could we expect them to provide water for them in a, in a, a bottle? This whole thing is just, it drives me fucking crazy. Um, because, you know, I, I, I have a family that, that's pretty outdoors oriented. We're always ensuring that we have an ass load of water available just in case, whenever we go for a hike or whenever we're camping out. You always have to have that. Because even if you don't have enough food, you can survive for a very long time on just drinkable water. And what you don't want to do is rely on your environment. Because it's going to let you down. It's pretty fucking cruel if you just get out there in the mountains. Um, you know, assuming you're not some Discovery Channel fucking reality TV star that can live off of bug urine. <laughs> you know? Uh, okay, so it, the article actually does continue to go on here. Um, it says what the district wants. Um, they're saying they want the government to subsidize it, really. Um, it's, it's an unfunded mandate. If, if Congress expects the schools to provide more drinking water or filtered drinking water, then um, they don't have the funds to take care of that, and they expect the government to do more. And it's funny because all this time, you know, we're expecting the government to do more for us, and yet we're complaining about the government doing too much. We are um, pretty fucking retarded at times, you know that? So, the good old days updated, a uh, little conclusion here. Water may have always been insufficiently available, but schools have a unique and special responsibility to create an environment that makes it easy for students to make good choices, says Sharp of the California Food Policy Advocates. The environment has changed in so many ways in recent decades. Sweetened beverages are cheap and widely available and heavily promoted. Family mealtimes are fewer and briefer, and convenience foods are a much more common part of youngsters' routines. At Vista Middle School, Principal Nita Castro says she will do her best to keep cups of water in her school, 
even suggesting she might pay out of pocket to provide cups for his students. You know, genuinely, I think there are some communities that would have a real hard time raising money for this. Uh, but that's what your local, you know, government is, is there for. Uh, but I would absolutely not mind dropping money on a school to ensure that they can fucking have water for my kid, you know? I mean, cap the people that are going to the school, that have their kids going to the school, and ask them to donate a little bit. And I can bet you may not need cups. You could probably raise enough to actually have additional water fountains installed. And then you don't have to worry about the recurring cost for fucking cups. It's maddening. <laughs> I actually get frustrated talking about this. I don't, I don't get it. And then you can always go into the whole uh, argument that you don't trust the water in your area. That's all bullshit. I, I don't care. If, if you're going to live in that area, drink the fucking water. You start not trusting water, and it, it sort of compiles up to other things. Uh, and I'm not going to get into that right now. Let's go ahead, and that's that's all for this article. I, I'm not going to go into it anymore. Let's move on to uh, House to Pay Up to $520 an Hour to Defend the Gay Marriage Ban. Uh, this is actually from CBS News Politics, uh, written by Brian Montapoli. Sure, who cares? Uh, the Republican-led House has agreed to pay a law firm up to $520 an hour to defend the Defense of Marriage Act banning federal recognition of same-sex marriage. Some quick background here. Uh, the Defense of Marriage Act is a 15-year-old federal law that defines marriage as between one man and one woman. It's currently facing a legal challenge in New York. Traditionally, the federal government has uh, defended uh, challenges to federal law but not in this case, after defending it for two years, we might add. The Obama administration announced in February it would no longer defend the law because it believes it's unconstitutional. That left House Republicans, who largely oppose same-sex marriage without any choice, quote, uh, but to step in and defend the law. The words of House Speaker John Boehner, in a letter earlier this week, Boehner asked for the Department of Justice funds to be diverted to the House to pay for the cost of the defense, uh, though it's not likely to happen. I think that last little phrase, it's not likely to happen, is fucking telling. John Boehner knows that no one will be okay in the fiscal situation we are in right now, especially when they barely passed an extension um, to keep funding the uh, federal government to pay $520 a fucking hour to defend a law that the current administration doesn't want to fucking defend because it discriminates against some of the population that that government is sworn to protect? I mean, it's fucking asinine. I understand if you feel that this law is so important um, that it is the last line of defense for your vision of what marriage should be. But you can't apply your vision to everyone else. Now, in reality, you actually can through laws like this. Um, but as time goes on, the glorious thing about our society is that we amend constitutions. We change laws. Or strike them down if we need to. Um, I am personally a uh, uh, social liberal. So, 
I, I don't care. If, if two people, two consenting adults, that's the caveat, two consenting adults want to get married, fucking let them get married. How does that affect you or your relationship or your understanding of the meaning of your bond? It doesn't at all. This is quite literally the religious right and the fucking crazy-ass um, part of the Republican Party trying to impose their will and tell everyone else what to do, all the while complaining that government's too big. You know, this is coming from, and this is actually something in the article here. Um, <laughs> I've got I've to quote this really quick. Uh, House Minority Leader Nancy Pelosi sent Boehner a letter on Monday uh, saying that, quote, the House of Representatives need not enter into this lengthy and costly litigation. After the contract was revealed... Pelosi's spokesman, Drew Hamill, cast House Republicans as wasting money despite their claims of fiscal responsibility. And, quote, the hypocrisy of this legal boondoggle is mind-boggling, he said. Speaker Boehner is spending half a million dollars of taxpayer money to defend discrimination. If Republicans were really interested in cutting spending, this should be at the top of the list. Stop defending a socially bigoted law. But I think the most important part about that, the dude said boondoggle. Who the fuck says boondoggle? <laughs> That's like, that word literally, he dug out of the grave, uh, probably in, in honor of the coming Easter and the resurrection of his zombie deity. Um, <laughs> but literally, he said, the hypocrisy of this legal boondoggle, I just love it, boondoggle. I, I read this whole article, and that was the only thing that stood out in my mind. Because you expect Republicans to be bigoted and pass bigoted legislation and defend bigoted legislation. They always have, and they always will. They're always ones to say they're fiscally responsible and, and, and conservative until it's their turn to decide what needs to be paid for. They're always ones to say, get the government out of your lives until it's their turn to push their religious right agendas. Um, be it... Uh, abortion, be it marriage, drug legislation, um, really everything. I mean, and this is why I despise the Republican machine so much. They have really sold completely out to the fanatical religious right and their corporate masters so much that they don't look anything like they once did. I mean, at all. I mean, it, it's such a dying, dying party when you have to rely on the religious right and your corporate masters to get anything done or to propose anything or to get reelected again. It's just fucking disgusting. All right, and so, you know, you know, why does it matter to me? Well, genuinely, it doesn't. Um, I'm fine with the law as is. I'm fine with local states making the regulation if they want to. Um, I'm not gay, so I don't want to have a homosexual marriage, so I don't fucking care whether they recognize it or not. It's just the idea that a party who doesn't want federal government telling them what to do is going above and beyond trying to spend money to do just that. It's just fucking hypocritical and retarded. So uh, that's all for the Infernal Informant and for my rants. Uh, let's go ahead and move on to Creature Feature. And like I said, enjoy this. Uh, I, I'm going to be a little bit quiet in it because of uh, the recording, and I'll work on that on future interviews. But uh, for now, just enjoy the fucking show, eh?
sky is dark, moon piercing the night. Through the trees, the damsel in distress comes, breaking through the underbrush. Fear painted on her face. The darkness hunting her is near. She is swamp, water slowing her escape. The creature nears, the damsel turns, hands rising to her sides as a lastest effort to thrust the creature back. Welcome to Creature Feature. Welcome to Creature Feature. Today I have a very special guest, uh, the internationally acclaimed Madman Slesk, the creative genius behind Ceremo 3. Uh, I'm very lucky you decided to uh, re-record this interview like an idiot. Uh, I had to get things working properly the first time around. But we're back, better than ever, and we're ready for this. Now, um, last week I briefly talked about your album Easy Listening for the Great Olins Part 1. And I was thrilled to learn that you'd be willing to join me uh, for an interview the first time and now for the second. So thank you very much um, for uh, taking time out of your busy schedule. I appreciate it. No, it's my pleasure. All right. So um, I just wanted to ask you a few things because uh, I, I, w I was so personally impressed with your album. Um, I wanted to have you on here and sort of talk about what other projects you might have um, down the line. You know, kind of a background about you um, as an artist, as sort of a composer here of this of this. Uh, music. So let's go very back to the very beginning. Uh, what Was there a defining moment or a defining song that inspired you to walk the path of the musician? Um, well, I discovered Kiss at the age of four. But the defining moment came when I found them. this awesome looking cover in my dad's uh, CD shelf. Uh, it was Somewhere in Time by Iron Maiden. And since then, Iron Maiden has been my favorite band, and, well, I've always wanted to be Bruce Dickinson. <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, that's really cool. Iron Maiden's pretty awesome. However, it is interesting to know that Iron Maiden is nothing like the music that you put out, um, certainly at least for this last album that I talked about last week. Oh, no. Uh, nothing I've ever done has sounded remotely like Iron Maiden. <laughs> So um, what, what is the music you like to listen to for inspiration? Or what do you like to listen to for inspiration of your current music? Um, well, I like... I'm very into indie pop these days, like luckily um, Amanda Palmer and Kate Nash. And just today I re-discovered um, Aphex Twin and Gwen Stefani. Wow! <laughs> yeah, that's very diverse, man. <laughs> From Iron Maiden to... Uh, <laughs> yeah, and I also occasionally I go back to my teens and start listening to Bursum and other black metal stuff. Wow, nice. I always had a hard time getting into black metal. Um, like I, I like hardcore, like New York scene hardcore um, music. I like punk. Um, yeah. I really love like classic heavy metal, like from the '80s and stuff. But I could never really get into like the like the really hardcore death metal stuff. No, it's an acquired taste, and, well, I grew up with it, since I'm Norwegian and all. Yeah, yeah, I, I think you guys pretty much have the, the market cornered on that, actually. Yeah, pretty much. Um, okay, so, we talked about some of the music that you're listening to right now. Would you say any one of them is your favorite, or are you pretty much just, you know, kicking it with that? No, not especially any favorites at the moment, at least. Um... I tend to get hung up on certain bands or artists every now and then, but now it's more or less all over the place. Yeah, 
around the same way. I actually remember growing up, and I would grab um, an album, and I would literally just be obsessed with that album. You know, I'd be using cassettes actually at the time. Yeah. So I'd, you know, take out the cassette uh, sheet, and I'd sit there and read the lyrics as I'm listening to it for hours and hours and hours. I mean, I would literally take weeks of my life out just doing that. Yeah. And it's weird. <laughs> like, nowadays, it's, you just don't do that anymore. You know, it's all no. single, so... No, I do that every once in a while, but I don't know. I become more of a scatterbrain. (laughs) Or maybe we've just grown up, so we don't have Uh, as much time to devote to it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so uh, when did you first uh, know that you wanted to create music? I've known that pretty much all my life. Uh, I tried learning the violin when I was six or seven, but... It sounded like I was raping a cat, so I quickly stopped doing that. Uh, I've been trying to learn, image, learn the guitar for a couple of, almost a couple of decades without much luck, probably because I don't have the patience for it. Yeah. Um, but nowadays I'm trying to learn the ukulele, and I started, wow. and that's actually much easier. Um, oh. But I started singing in black metal bands when I was 16, 17. And rehearsed a lot, did a few shows, recorded a few demos. And then I suddenly thought of, started listening to other kinds of music and decided to go into the whole, whole noise thing. So my first uh, public outing as a musician was pure noise. What, what was that? that? That was the name of the album? No, um, this was with a project I had called uh, Bolverk, which is uh, a name that uh, the Norse god Odin used when he was incognito. Um, and the album was called Eternal Warfare, I think. It sold a whopping four copies. Hell yeah. <laughs> Huge success for a first yes. time. <laughs> and then it gradually turned into some other... I had. I played with a, with a noise uh, ambient metal band. And uh, I recorded two albums with the Norwegian black metal band, Discipline. Uh, both of which have sold, I don't know, I think a couple of thousand album yeah. so far um, but now it's mostly the ambient stuff which is I'm glad you went there <laughs> yeah, me too uh, okay well I guess that begs the question how long are you just going to finish up this and, and we're sort of going to touch on this in a second this this trilogy of, of albums you're doing or are you got more of it are you talking about uh, Easter listening uh, yeah yeah I'm going to do more of that uh um, is listening for Great Old Ones Part Two was released uh, as a severely limited handmade edition back in November. I'll make that public, like I did with the first one, uh, in November again. And Part Three will probably be released in September, I think. And I'm planning on making one of those. Yearly or two times a year, depending. Nice. And the release always co- coincides with uh, a club concept in in Oslo called the Cafe Grossenwan. Grossenwan is German for uh, megalomania. 
it's a neo folk club uh, concept and uh, i'm guessing it will continue until i tire of it hell yeah no that, that's great yeah, i'll be uh, picking up everyone so where does order of dagon fall into there uh that was actually the first ambient music i ever made um i didn't have a name for it i it consists mainly of experimental ditties i've made over the years uh, that i edited to have a similar sound and then just put together and that became Sermo 3 and i decided to put it on the to put it out so people can hear it it's well it's a it's a i'm proud of it but it's slightly well juvenile yeah i actually i i, I enjoyed it I, I grabbed it as soon as uh, as soon as i saw it was up there and um yeah i wouldn't disparage it at all i i think it's uh i think it's quite good what I like about your music best, and I mentioned this briefly last week, and I, I certainly said it last episode, or last <laughs> failed interview, and I'll, I'll, <laughs> I, I think it, it's worth repeating, is that whenever I come across music, um, the first thing I like to do is, or, or really what makes me like it or not, is whether or not it sounds synthesized, whether or not it sounds fake. And there's so much dark ambient um, sort of atmospheric music out there that is so computerized that it actually pulls you out of the emotion that it's trying to put you into. And that's sort of this uh, disquieted, edgy, uh, unnerving, you know, scared place. But when you're hearing like this Max Hedrome digital noise throughout it, uh, it's, it's really hard to really, you know, uh, lose yourself in the music. It, it's actually quite impossible for me to do that. So when I heard your music, um, I was completely blown, taken aback because... It has none of that, um, and that's that's really what stands it out the most for me, and it's what I think makes it perfect for, for ritual use um, uh, or, or just as background music for uh, what I like to do is, you know, whenever I have someone over, I like to sort of create an atmosphere for them um, because different people I know, you know, obviously are, are, have different tendencies of, of being, different ideas and different thoughts, and so I, I like to maybe tailor the music to them in the yeah. background, and I have quite a few uh, correspondents that I think this would be perfect just to sort of have running in the background. Yeah. Uh, so I guess my next question would be, um, outside of other bands and genre of music, what would you say goes into your music? What, what influences you outside of the industry that sort of creates your music? Um, you use to create music? L, my, my head... And uh, nature, um, even urban soundscapes. I record every sound I find interesting on my phone and use a lot of field recordings in my music. And um, I can be in inspired to make an entire album just from, I don't know, hearing an owl outside the window at night or, or, or the pigeons or even the sound of some drunkard crashing his head in a light post. <laughs> that's badass. Uh, that's pretty cool. Um, so how would you prefer others to, to view or use your music? Well, I personally consider, consider my music to be uh, sort of magical experiments. Um, so if people want to use them in rituals, that's 
well, fucking awesome, uh, or just as background reading music. Um, Easy Listening for Great Old Ones was created to make a pleasant background noise for reading Lovecraft. And also as a magical experiment to bring forth the Lovecraftian horrors to people's dreams. And uh, that is... I've got some stories about stuff like that. Hmm? I've got some stories about stuff like that. I might have to break that into a Bizarre of the Bizarre. Um, a lot of uh, sort of old-school Necronomicon um, uh, ritual stories. You know? Oh, yeah. Oh, Gatewalkers. Yeah, good stuff, man. <laughs> yeah. So um, my next album will be more explicitly magical in nature as it is... Um, as it is a, um, an oral mixture of uh, the seagull magic of uh, Austin Osman Spear and uh, the basic ritual concepts of Dr. LaVey. Uh, yeah. I'm sure that one will go uh, really, really well in the community. I probably. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, uh, and what was the title of that one? I, I tried to say it last time and I did butcher it. It's called uh, Tetranagrammaton, uh, a triptych of emotion. It's uh, and the Tetranagrammaton is a play on words. It's it's a mixture of uh, Tetragrammaton and anagram. And Tetragrammaton is uh, is uh, the Kabbalistic uh, word for the four let- letters of the name of God. And I I'm really fond of playing with words, so it became Tetranagrammaton. Or, or otherwise known as impossible for me to fucking say. <laughs> but, but very fucking cool nonetheless. Um, all right, so is there anything else that you would like to sort of um, put out there about your music? Where, where can people get a hold of you if they want to talk to you about music or maybe collaborate with you or something? Uh, the easiest way, place to get a hold of me is probably either on the Facebook page or on my main web page uh, at uh, wordpress.com which is uh, sarmoiii at dot wordpress.com there you'll find links to the to the store and to all my social networking sites and there's a blog there as well for people who are interested in whatever shit i have to say <laughs> i actually saw also that there was like other projects that you're currently involved in, right? I'm, yeah. Quite honest, I didn't I didn't research them at all, but I did see that you were involved in a lot of other things. Yeah, I have a couple of sporadic uh, projects, like uh, Earl Grey Howday, which is um, true Norwegian British hip hop. <laughs> really? Yeah, it's hip hop. Uh, I make some. Smashing beats and melodies, and a friend of mine from from England is doing the vocals. Oh, yeah. And it's, well, it's filthy and it's funny and it's all about having sex with all of your mothers. Wow. <laughs> while drinking Earl Grey tea, of course. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, there's a couple others, uh, like uh, The Ghost Network, which is a collaboration between me and. Uh, a friend of mine from the U.S., which is more ambient trip-hop stuff. Huh. Yeah. I'll have to check that out. It's actually uh, quite good. Um, okay, so uh, where can people get a hold of your music? 
Um, I, I have a, a store on Reverb Nation. Um, the URL for for that is way too long to yeah. spell out over the internet. So just go to to my uh, to sermo3 at dot wordpress dot com and find the link. And there you'll find both my albums and a couple of T-shirts as well. Oh yeah, I think I skipped over the T-shirts. I didn't see them. I'm gonna have to go pick one up. Um, all right. Well, uh, again, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule. Despite the massive time change, I understand it's it's pretty late or pretty early, depending on how you want to look at it. For yeah, you. it's getting somewhat late. I am a night person, so it doesn't matter too much for me. It's just just my pleasure being here. Well, I, I really appreciate having you on. And you know what? Anytime you release a new album, I would love to, if you want to give, you know, like a, a teaser release tune of it, I would love to play it for everyone. Um, I'll maybe have you on and talk about it, you know? Yeah, I'll definitely take you up on that. Cool, cool. Well, again, um, we've been talking to um, Slesk. He's the uh, genius behind Ceremony 3. Uh, go and pick up his music. It is absolutely worth it. Uh, you will not regret it. And... Uh, Again, thank you for joining me, and everyone else, let's go ahead and uh, move on to some Bizarre the Bizarre. Thanks for having me. Well, that was it. Uh, I do actually have um, a topic for Bizarre the Bizarre, but as you can see, I'm running late, so I'm going to move that on to probably next episode. So the sex part will... I'm sorry. It's, the sex part's going to have to wait. Um, I know how much you wanted to hear it. Uh, <laughs> I just... An hour-long show should definitely be enough. <clears throat> so that's it for another show. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, I'd love to hear from you. Visit 9centspodcast.com. You can contact me via email at info at 9centspodcast.com or just go to the Facebook page. Uh, hit Facebook and type in 9cents. You can always watch us live, like right now, uh, streaming via Ustream. Um, at ustream.tv slash channel slash 9-cents. Uh, you can also just go to 9centspodcast.com and see a link there for it. I do a live show every Sunday night, and then I release it and edit the MP3 on uh, Mondays. So you can download that through iTunes or whatever MP3 player you use uh, Monday nights. Uh, if you want to uh, meet any other Satanists, uh, you should check out Satannet.com. Uh, it's the Undercroft it's a social networking site for Satanists. Um, and absolutely, if you ever want to learn anything about Satanism or you want to just uh, read up on Satanism, ChurchOfSatan.com is the place to go. Uh, there's a lot of pretenders, but that's uh, the original and the, the only real one. If you want to hear any other music or commentary or any other uh, myriad of shows hosted by Satanists or about Satanists or Satanism, check out Radio Free Satan. It's a great uh, internet streaming site, and you can also download those uh, podcasts via RSS as well. There's a lot of really fantastic shows on there. Uh, and you know what? That's all for this uh, episode. Once again, I'm, I'm a little scattered here. I'm, I'm pretty tired. Uh, once again, thank you for joining me. My name's Adam Campbell, and until next week. Hail Satan.
Thank <laughs> you.